Hallelujah. Glory. Are you going? I believe it'll be soon. Amen. I love the words to, those, to that song, Brother Joel. Thank you so much. I could take the pain and the heartache it brings because I've got comfort in knowing it won't be long. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you. So good to be here with you. Amen. If you have your Bible, we'll turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 52. Amen. Thank you for all that good singing. Amen. Thank you, brother. Certainly a privilege to come, and uh, we are just in expectation for what the Lord's going to do. Amen. And I believe that you are too, and I trust that you are. Amen. Just looking to the Lord. We'd like to say thank you to Brother Donnie for having us and inviting us and we were just out uh, in Phoenix, Arizona there with Brother Ron Peterson and his youth camp and uh, had about just 250 uh, young people that gathered and the Lord just poured out such a great spirit there at that camp. And they wrung me to death. I felt like, a, uh, felt like I'm wrung out from one side or the other and uh, it was just this last weekend so I texted Brother Donnie and said, well, uh, I'm just getting back from preaching. The meetings went from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And I said, my body has recovered, but my voice hasn't completely yet. So I said, so I'm counting, uh, counting on the team tonight. <laughs> I'm glad I ain't got to fight the devil by myself, but we're part of a team. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's, just, uh, let's look here at Isaiah chapter 52. And the Lord began to speak something upon my heart here, there, even just at the camp. And, and he just moved in such a sovereign way. I was in my, my dorm, and uh, there just when I got there and for that evening service, and just unexpected. You know, sometimes you, you pray and you invite the Lord, and the Lord just comes down supernaturally, and, and the Holy Spirit comes, and His presence comes, and you just rejoice in that. There's other times when the Lord comes and you wasn't really expecting Him to come, but He just showed up. And how special those times are. And I was sitting there in my room just three hours before the service and the Holy Spirit came in that room. So strong. And I, I felt as if the Lord was just saying, I'm going to do something tonight. Regardless of what you do, I'm going to do something tonight. And the Lord moved in such a powerful way, and He began to anoint me with this thought I'd like to preach here tonight. I've titled this, The Captive Daughter of Zion. The Captive Daughter of Zion. The Lord moved in that service and in those services there, and, and it was just a real move of God. We, we ended up baptizing 66 young people. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. <clears throat> Amen. And that's no credit to me. It was really just a credit to the Lord. Amen. And just a real yearning and a desire for the, for the Lord to move. I believe God meets our expectations. I believe that if you came here expecting to see me tonight, you're going to be really disappointed. But if you came with an expectation to say, Lord, uh, you're the discerner of the thoughts and intents of my heart. Amen. And, and I believe that you're going to speak. Well, I believe the Lord can honor that kind of request. Amen. The captive daughter of Zion. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 52 and we'll just read just a few verses here. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, of Jer O Jerusalem. 
the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith the Lord, You have sold yourselves for naught, and you shall be redeemed without money. Amen. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word that we have tonight. We believe, Lord, that your word is already anointed. We've already, Lord, been blessed just by reading it, Lord. For the Bible says in the book of Revelation, blessed is he who reads. Lord, so even just in reading your word, we've already received a blessing. But God, I pray that you would come down and anoint the word, make it fresh. Lord, make it real to every life, every individual God. We just look to you now. You're our strength. You're our helper. Lord, may you be with every individual that's here. Lord, those that will hear this, and Lord, maybe by live streaming or archive. Father, we pray for every request, Lord, believing, God, that you're going to meet our expectation. Would you come and move in a special way, Lord, we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to just stay here in Isaiah chapter 52, just here, just for a moment. And we're going to move just through some some scriptures here. And Lord Willem, we'll just continue in just a, a direction with this in the morning. Awake, awake. This is the words that God speaks of when He's speaking to this daughter of Zion. And what you see here with this daughter of Zion, as if you do a study throughout the Old Testament, this daughter is spoken of, and it's always speaking of the redeemed of the Lord, and, and it's speaking of Israel and God's daughter. And, and you'll see her identified in the Old Testament through the prophets she was referred to. Uh, as Zion, and in this place is the daughter of Zion. It speaks of the relationship that God has with His children. And now you find that this daughter of Zion is, is in a condition, and God begins to cry out to her from the prophet Isaiah. And what you see is this vision, this pitiful condition that the church had come into, or had Israel had came into. And you notice the, here that this daughter of Zion, who was a pure uh, uh, daughter and, and just beloved of the Lord, and God is saying here that this is the condition that I have, that this is my relationship that I have with Israel. She's my daughter. There's something very special about a father's love for a daughter. And any brothers here who have a daughter... You could say there's something very uh, unique that maybe uh, is different than even a son or a love that you have for uh, your wife or your family. But God is saying here that, that I love you with an, an everlasting love, that, that, I, that, that you're, my, you're my daughter, you're my chosen. And, and you know, there's something special about a father with his daughter because that father's going to protect that daughter with his own life. And, and, and God is saying here, Israel, you're my, you're, you're the, you're the, you're the daughter of Zion. You're, 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 you're pure. You're holy. You're unadulterated. Your condition, uh, the, you're, you're a beautiful child, but 
Now God is saying this condition uh, of Israel, this redeemed of the Lord, uh, once a pure and, and once in, in robes and, and once in purity and, and once clean and once spotless. And, and God said, I've desired uh, so much for you and the plans that I have I, made for you. It, but now you find Israel in this condition where God says, but you're no longer that. Now your garments are, are filthy. They're torn. And, and, and you're laying in the dust. And what a pitiful condition that, that she had came to. The Bible says that she's laying there like a slave in the dust. And the uncircumcised are trampling on her and mocking her. And, 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 and the Bible says that she's, she has a band around her neck. She's abused and used and howling in despair and crying out in despair. And, and, and the Bible paints such a, Isaiah's painting such a picture of Israel clutching uh, at, the, at, the, at the, the band that she's placed upon her neck. You know, this was not the desire for God, for Israel to ever get in this condition. It was the desire of the devil. This was his plan that he had for her. This was his vision he's seen of her to take a daughter of God and to take the beloved of the Lord and chain her and bind her and get her to such a, a condition to where she's bound by a yoke of bondage. And you, the Bible says that she's laying there in her disgrace and laying there in the dust and, and trampled on by the enemy, the Scripture says, and, and at will the uncircumcised go in and out. And, and the Bible says that now this vessel who was made to be clean and this vessel who was made to be pure, a vessel that was made to be used of the Lord, is now polluted and defiled and unclean. And the Bible says that she's just in such a helpless condition. She's fallen into such a stupor. She's fallen into such a, uh, a lukewarmness to where, uh, you know, slowly, uh, Brother Random said that slowly spiritual amnesia starts to settle in and, and you get so bound up by the enemy. You know, you could take real sons of God and real daughters of God who are really born of the Spirit of God, but they can again, as Paul said, become entangled with the yoke of bondage. And sin is a bondage. Uh, we live in an age more than ever before where there, there's an atmosphere of bondage and an atmosphere of addictions. And real sons and daughters of God can become like this daughter of Zion to where they're bound by a yoke around their neck. You know, Lazarus was born. The, Lazarus was raised from the dead. But the Bible says Lazarus comes out of being raised from the dead, but yet his, his eyes are still bound, his feet are, his hands are still bound, his feet are still bound. And Jesus looks at him and, and notice everyone's rejoicing that he's alive. Everyone's rejoicing that he's been resurrected. But Jesus said it's not enough just to be born again. You've got to be free of your bondage. And Jesus looks at that raised Son of God and says, Loose him and let him go. Because this is my desire that sons and daughters of God live free in the Lord. And we know that this is a binding age and people can become bound by spirits. We live in a very spiritual age. We live in an age of addiction. I, speak, I spoke on a message on this recently or 
uh, here before and spoke about these spirits, this world that we live in is a multi-dimensional world. And you know, sometimes the things that trip us up or affect us or begin to bind us are an invisible force that maybe we can't see. And it's a spirit that can get on somebody. You know, it's not the physical problem. It's the spiritual problem that we deal with. We live in a world that is spiritually in their minds. They've gone completely insane. And you could take a person who physically looks normal, physically looks fine and seems like a good person and, and seems like they, you know, that they're normal in their mind and a normal family man or a, he was normal at his job and everyone knew him and he seemed fine and never would have seemed like that. But yet that same normal person uh, gets and goes and buys ammunition and guns and cl- goes up into the top story of a hel- hotel room and, and breaks out a window and starts just gunning people down you say how could a person who seemed so fine on the outside and there was no indication that there was any problem but what people don't realize is that in another dimension there was a spirit that that man's mind was feeding on and that spirit was binding that man and infiltrating that man's mind and that man's spirit and the prophet of God said I prophesy that this world will go completely insane And let me just tell you tonight, my friends, we are living in the fulfillment of that prophecy. The world has gone completely insane. And they've taken spirits and filthy spirits and it's literally driving men to do things you would never, uh, it would never seem possible that a person can do. But they've given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and it binds that person. And the world's looking for answers and they blame it on guns and they blame it on politics and they blame it on this. And let me tell you where the blame goes. It goes to the devil because it's an evil spirit that is anointing the minds. And until they realize this, they'll just keep fighting symptoms. They'll keep fighting physical issues and and gun laws and gun rights. And they'll, they'll always go that way. But what we realize as believers is that it's a spirit that they're under. That's why we teach you to watch what kind of music you listen to, because there's spirits on music. That's why we teach you to watch what you watch, because there's spirits on what your eyes see. There's spirits that stream out of Hollywood from another dimension, and it's deceiving the minds of people. Oh, we tell young people, watch what music you listen to could seem harmless maybe doesn't sound like anything's wrong with it but watch what spirit that's on it can you say amen tonight and these addictions come and and we know even brother Branham speaks of them and he says here and brothers if you just want to go with that powerpoint you can display that brother Branham says light matter time our five senses contact them dimensions our sight contacts light our feelings contacts matter and so forth we have contact through science, the fourth dimension as it was, becoming, because coming right through this building comes pictures, voices of radio, pictures on television, that our senses does not contact that, but yet they have a tube or a crystal that picks up those ether waves and manifests them. So, you see, right in this building now is live actions of people in the air, live voices, there, here. 
They're absolutely the truth. And the only thing you do, they catch it on. I don't understand the mechanics of those things that science has invented, but we know that it proves to us that there's a fourth dimension. You see, you're not dealing all the time with the flesh and blood problem, but you're dealing with the spiritual wickedness in high places that is anointing the minds of people. And he says there's a fourth dimension. He says, now, the fifth dimension is where the sinner, the unbeliever dies and goes to. The fifth dimension is the kind of, well, the horrible dimension. This man, when a Christian dies, he goes into that sixth dimension, and God is in the seventh dimension. You see, the Christian, when he dies, he goes under the altar of God, right into the presence of God under the altar. And I love this. And he's at rest. Don't you ever question where those loved ones are? They're at rest. (laughs) Praise the Lord. To break it down, when a man has a nightmare, he's not altogether asleep, nor is he awake. He's between sleep and awake. That's what makes him have a horrible shaking and screaming. Because he's not asleep, he's not awake. And to take that shows where a man goes when he dies unconverted. He's lived his time up. He's dead on earth. He can't go in the presence of God because he's not fit to go there without the blood. He's caught. He cannot come back to earth because his time is finished here on earth. And he's caught between. He's in a nightmare. See, he can't go in the presence of God to rest. He can't go back, come to earth because his time's up. He's in a nightmare and there he stays until the day of the judgment. A horrible thing to be in, see. And he says, now in this vision, I believe I was caught to that sixth dimension. Looking back down here and could see back. See, the sight isn't exactly with the eyes that's earthly. But sight is a greater thing. The sight that they have there, their contact is far beyond any contact that our natural senses would contact. He says, what is the prophet beginning to do? You take this, this, this man who could uh, enter that dimension. And he could leave this dimension and enter that, fourth dim- or that, that, that sixth dimension. And he says, and I was laid on my bed and had my hands behind and said, Oh, Bill Branham, if you're ever going to do anything for the Lord, you better get busy. And he said, and then that voice just began to speak and say, Would you like to see past the curtain? And he said, that, and he's, Brother Branham said, and I said, Oh, that would help me so much. What was it? He left this dimension and went into that other dimension. And, and Brother Branham said, this is, this is where the demon spirits, this, this is why people, Brother Branham said this, he said, the reason that people don't reverence the presence of God is because they don't recognize the presence of God. And let me, let me give you the opposite of that. The reason why people are never, are not careful about where they go and what they watch and what they listen to is because they haven't recognized that there's a spirit on everything. Let me say to you, brother, there's a spirit on everything in this age. That's why God gives us the Holy Ghost to give us a sense to exercise what's right and what's wrong. And God doesn't give us a checklist of do's and don'ts and say you got to do this and you don't do this and you got to do this. Some people, that's all that they have. And that's why they're miserable because they've never received the spirit. They've only received the letter. And the Bible says the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. 
You can try to live this message. You can try to live the word. And if it's only ever letter to you, it'll only be bondage and misery. But if you ever get the spirit of God, then that letter that's death now becomes life. The letter killeth, the spirit giveth life. Let me, let me give you my, let me give you my, my, my own uh, understanding of that scripture. The letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life to the letter. I said the letter killeth by itself, but the spirit giveth life to the letter. And now that letter that could only give you death now gives you life. Because God changes the desires of your heart. And what the scripture's saying here, even with this captive daughter of Zion, the Bible says that she's laying there in bondage. She's, she's so bound. She's so bound that the scripture says she has a, a band around her neck. Look at Isaiah 52. It says, oh, that she's bound uh, around her neck. She's laying there, I imagine, stunned. I imagine in this stupor. Uh, you know, in this condition, uh, as Brother Adam said, spiritual amnesia starts to settle in. You forget who you are. You forget where you came from. She forgets she's a daughter of the king. And there she lays like an animal. There she lays in a coma, almost a condition to where she's groveling in the dirt. And, and you know the tragedy, that the worst part of this scripture in Isaiah 52 as the Bible says, it, it wasn't some satanic, uh, you know, it wasn't some kind of a person. It wasn't a Philistine. It wasn't a Jebusite that came over and locked her up. Uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't some outward force. But notice what the Bible says here. It says, you have sold yourself for naught. You have sold yourself. You have sold yourself. Notice, the devil didn't sell you. The devil didn't give you this, but you bound yourself. You allowed yourself to become entangled. And oftentimes in our life, it is so many times for the believer, some of the bondage that we have in our mind with depression, some of the bondage we have in our mind of oppression, isn't because some spirit that came upon us, but we fed on the wrong things. We looked at the wrong things. We listened to the wrong voices. And now we bind ourselves. Satan can't sell you because God already purchased you. But you can sell yourself. And you sell yourself to the wrong things and you listen to the wrong voices. Brothers, give me that Isaiah 52 verse 3. He says here, notice here in Isaiah 52 verse 3. He says, for thus saith the Lord, you have sold yourself for naught. For nothing. This is something you brought upon yourself. This is something you gave yourself. This is the worst part of the condition. It's bad enough you're laying there in the dirt. It's bad enough that you're laying there in chains. But you've been overcome by your own self. You've sold yourself into slavery. You have sold yourself for naught. You say, what was it, Brother Matt? I don't know what it was. You know, it could be a secret sin in your life. that No one else knows about and you could look normal. You could look totally fine and, you know, you watch people drop off. And you, you, you think, how could it be? 
they were just here in church. They were, they were just here. They seemed fine. It seemed like, you know, everything was okay, and I would have never expected it. But inwardly, there were spirits that they were giving themselves to. And then suddenly one day, they're not there. Let me say this. Spiritual death doesn't happen instantly. But spiritual death is a process. As the old saying goes, spiritual death happens one compromise at a time. You get to such a condition to where you're so chained by your sin. Your face is down in the dust of your own despair. And the Bible says that the enemy's just coming, uh, uh, trampling her and, and mocking her. And the, the Bible says here in, through Isaiah, it says, You've sold yourself for naught. You've enslaved yourself for nothing. And it's not, this, this, is, this is what the scripture's saying. You're not going to get anything back for what you've sold yourself to. Because sin does not repay. Sin only takes. And it takes and it takes and it takes until you have nothing left. You've sold yourself for nothing and you've lost everything. It's going to cost you everything, but it's going to give you nothing. It's going to cost you all you have, daughter of Zion. You're going to lose your reputation. You're going to lose your purity. You're going to lose your sanctity. You're going to lose your mind. You're going to lose your spirit. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your hope. You're going to lose your joy. You're going to lose your praise because this is what the devil takes from you. He's a robber and a thief. And when you give yourself to his spirit, he takes everything from you and gives nothing back to you. It's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you your reputation. Oh, sin adds nothing. It only takes away. The Bible says here this Hebrew word, for not, you've sold yourself for not as chinim, which means to be devoid of all reason or cause. I want you to notice here, this daughter of Zion... The Bible doesn't say that this is a daughter of Jezebel. Hello, are you with me here tonight? This is not a heathen land here. This is not a daughter of Jezebel. This is not a daughter of the world. This is the daughter of Zion. This is the daughter of God. This was the family of God. She's laying there. This is the one who swore by God. This is the one who named the name of the Lord who claimed ownership from the Lord. And the Bible says she's laying there sold like a slave. But you know what I'm so glad for? He still calls her daughter. <laughs> he doesn't say you're none of mine. He says you're still a daughter of Zion. And it doesn't matter how much you've bound yourself and how much you lay there. I'm going to show you a daddy's love for a daughter. I still love you. You're still a daughter. You're captive. But I'm still coming after you. I'm still going to pursue you. I'm never going to give up on you. You may give up on me. But I'm never going to give up on you. You may turn your back on me. I'll never turn my back on you. Oh, thank you, Lord, for that kind of love. The scripture says that even if we're unfaithful, he remaineth faithful. 
but you've became slaved to your sin. You've became so bound by a spirit. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 5. I want to look at this example here. Brothers, you could just pull it on the screen. Notice this man. The Bible says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the courtyard of the Gadar, unto the country of the Gadarenes. This is Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And when he was come out of the ship immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. I want you to notice the scripture here, because what the Bible is going to do, something that you have to watch so closely, It's going to refer to this person that we have preached on named Legion. And the scripture is going to call this man Legion. But you have to be very careful when you're reading this story. Because the Bible is going to refer to two people. It's going to refer to Legion and it's going to refer to the man. But let me give you something here tonight. They're not the same. The man is not legion, and legion is not the man. They're two totally different people. And you have to be very careful when you're dealing with a person in bondage of sin. You're not dealing with a drug addict. You're dealing with a good person who has a spirit of drugs on them. You're dealing with a good man bound by an evil spirit. Notice what it says. It speaks of this man. Notice what it says here in verse, six, verse 5. And always day and night he was in the mountains and the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when Jesus, but when he saw Jesus, prophet of God picks this up and says, Oh, what a condition this man Legion was in. He said, so bound by a spirit. Uh, he said, so bound. He said, but every now and then, he said, this man would come out of it just for a moment. And he'd ask, where am I? How did I, how did I get here? I'm in a graveyard. I, I got chains on my hand. How did I get in this condition? Brother Adam says every now and then he'd come to himself. And he says here, notice verse, verse, verse 7. Cried with a loud voice, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. You ask yourself, how could this man, who was a good man, Brother Branham said, maybe a father. He said, and a, and a husband to a good woman. How does this man get into such a condition to where he's bound, not by one spirit, not by two spirits, not by three, but 2,000 spirits? How does a person get to such a condition To where they're so bound, they're bound with 2,000 demons. I tell you how they get there. They get there one bad choice after the next bad choice, after the next bad choice, after the next bad choice, after the next. You see, one bad decision just leads to another bad decision. And once you give yourself and compromise, it's easier to compromise the next time. 
And you give yourself away slowly over time. And Brother Branham said it could have been a temper. It could have been something. But, but, but he was giving himself to, to a spirit, a seducing spirit. And slowly those spirits come so strong in his life that they bind him. That's what the spirit does to the believer. It binds his mind. It deludes his thought. It it tells him he forgets who he was. He forgets where he came from. That's what the scripture says. He forgets that he was purged from his sins. And he gets to such a condition in his life. To where the scripture says he's bound by 2,000 spirits. But notice here what we're going to see here in verse, five, verse, verse 6. Verse 6 says, but when he, who's he? The man, not the spirit. But when he saw Jesus afar off. He, who? The man ran and worshipped him. Why? Because inside, beyond all those layers of addiction and drugs and alcohol and problems, when you peel back all the layers and the spirits that's on his mind, there's a Son of God down on the inside of him. And so many times it's so hard for us to peel back all those layers. Because all we see is the outside. All we see is the legion. But the scripture says there was a heart to worship in so much he runs and worships the Lord. That tells me you can worship the Lord but still be bound by spirits. Just because a person worships the Lord doesn't mean that they're not bound by demon spirits. And the scripture says he cried. Now notice, he worships him. And now, that same man who's worshiping, now cries with a loud voice and says, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Almost like a schizophrenic person. One moment he's worshiping. The next moment he's accusing God of tormenting him. Now this is what's so amazing about a spirit that binds a person's mind. You can take the same sermon that is sent to set them free, yet because of a spirit they perceive that help as being torment. And he says, why do you torment me before? Do you not know? The message came not to torment you. It came to set you free. It came to give you liberty. And the Bible says, why torment me? Before He says, why did I torment? For he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. But his name was not Legion. That was the name of the spirit. His name could have been good man. His name could have been son of God. His name could have been redeemed of the Lord. His name could have been daughter of Zion. But because of giving himself, he gives himself so much to his spirit that he loses his true identity to himself. To where even he himself forgets that he's a son of God. He even forgets that he's been purchased. 
The Bible says he even forgets he's been purged of his sins. But let me tell you who didn't forget. Jesus didn't forget. And though his condition had caused him to forget who he was and where he came from, Jesus said, I remember exactly who you are. I remember I purchased you and bought you with my own blood. And I've come to set you free of those spirits that have you bound, oh, captive daughter of Zion. And he besought him, notice this, and he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Notice what it says here in verse 15. And they came to Jesus and seen him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. There was such a transformation in one person's life that the rest of the church got scared. The Bible says they were afraid. This is how drastic. Let me tell you something. Jesus brings change that no program can bring. Jesus brings change that no rehab can bring. When Jesus sets you free, oh, the Bible says he's free indeed. He's free in spirit. He's free in voice. He's free in praise. Whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. And Brother Branham says, oh, he says, I can see him down there. He says, a bunch of things, bunch of tin cans, things piled up and look around there in that little old shack with some bushes laying up together. And there she is in the backyard rubbing on a washboard, maybe taking in the neighbors washing the little children holler, mommy, mommy, there he comes, there he comes. And they start to run like that, hard as they can run. I can hear him say, wait a minute, sweetheart. His wife says, oh, oh, oh. And say, wait a minute, sweetheart. Don't run. Don't run. Amen. <laughs> Notice these children were running from him. They were scared of him. They were so in fear that when they seen him, even the wife and the children run. And he says, wait a minute, sweetheart. Don't run. Something's happened. <laughs> I can see him walk in and look at a tattered sleeve of his little old wife's dress. Look at his little poor children standing there trembling. Put his, arm in the, put his arms around them. I can hear one little boy say to the next little girl, say, what's happened to daddy? Say, mother, mother, what's happened to daddy? I can see the tears running down his cheeks, put his arm around mother, around the little kitties, picked him up, said, now wait a minute, I'm going to tell you what's happened to daddy. Daddy came in contact with Jesus. That's what's the matter with daddy. Daddy found Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, when God sets you free, my brother, you're set free of your sins. You're set free of your past. You're set free of your addictions. You're set free of your chains. There's no more bondage. You are free in Christ. Hallelujah. Brother Branham said, and as it, he says, and as it did for Legion that day, it'll do for a daddy and a mother both today. When you find Jesus, you'll never be the same. Legion can never be the same. No man can ever be the same after they find Jesus. I say, let's find Jesus tonight. He's the answer to all of our problems.
Glory. He gets to such a condition, he's so bound. This daughter of Zion is so bound. And the spirit, that's the purpose of an evil spirit. Let me tell you what the demonic forces want. They want to deceive you until your thinking is so crooked, you don't know how to look at the Word, you don't know how to look at your pastor, you don't know how to look at the preacher, you don't know how to look at the rest of the church. A demon spirit comes onto a person and it starts to turn them away. You notice the first thing that happens, they're not fellowshipping anymore, you don't hear from them anymore, you don't see them anymore. Why? That spirit is driving them away. It's getting their thoughts crooked. You say, Brother Matt, what should we do? You should should reach out and say, brother, I'm praying for you. Sister, I'm praying for you. I'm not going to give up on you. God hasn't given up on you. And I'm not about to give up on you. Because that spirit is trying to drive them away from the rest of the body. And that spirit wants to, wants to so dement their thinking and twist them. And that spirit, let me tell you his goal, he wants to destroy them. And if an evil spirit can't destroy you mentally, he'll destroy you physically. And if he can't get you physically, he'll destroy you spiritually, or morally, or socially. To where he'll drive you away to the tombs. To where no one wants to be around you, no one wants to speak to you, no one wants to talk to you. You get to such a condition, Legion got to such a place. That he's living in the cemetery. Brother Branham says this, and I want you to notice these as we just pull that PowerPoint up, brother, if you could just pull that up. I'm going to just go through some scriptures here, and we're going to go through them and read what the prophet says. Notice what it says in Matthew 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 24. And his fame went out through Syria. They brought unto him all the sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments. And those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. In chapter 8, verse 16, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick. Oh, in verse 28, when he, he, he says here in chapter 9, verse 32, and as they went out, behold, they brought unto him a dumb man possessed with the devil. In Matthew 12, verse 22, Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. In chapter 15, it says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord. Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. You say, Brother Matt, why are those scriptures important? Because I'm here to wake us up here tonight. If there were people that were possessed with demons in the days of Jesus, how much more do we live in a generation bound and, and, and completely possessed by demon spirits? You walk through the you walk through the Walmart through them. Uh, young people go through school with them. You work and rub shoulders with them. You even go to church with them. To where their mind is so bound by spirits. 
and their mind is so bound. Brother Adam says, now, notice in proof of his resurrection, the same thing is wrong with you is wrong with that woman sitting over yonder, looking right at me on the end of the row. Right out there, the little round hat on, there's a dark string. The lady looking across. I know I've read this here before, but notice what he says. Looking at me right here with her hands up. That's it, lady. That's right. Here it is, coming from one to the other. It's evil powers pulling a dark streak. Now this man can look into that other world. And he could see that there was one here and one here. Now maybe those two women didn't even know each other. Had never even communicated. But there was a spirit that was familiar one with the other. And sitting right there in the meeting, there was this connection between those two. You see, doubt loves doubt. Depression loves depression. Spirits love other like-minded spirits. That's why, let me say this to the young people and to the old, be careful who you call friend. Be careful who you associate with. Because weakness breeds weakness. And you take one spirit that you're affected with and it never ceases to amaze me. You watch one person with one spirit and they'll friend up with another person they've never met before and they really have nothing in common except that one spirit is so familiar with the other that they almost tag team with each other. You take suicide or depression. You take drugs. You take lust. And those spirits attract. This is Brother Random here. This isn't me. And he's saying right here in church, there's two spirits. A critical spirit loves a critical spirit. And you take one person with a critical spirit, and it'll find that other family in the church who's critical, and criticizing the pastor, and criticizing the song leader, and criticizing the music. And they'll get together after church and they'll just go up one side and down the other of that pastor and that church and, and what they're doing. And, oh, <laughs> you think you can hide, but Jesus found you here tonight. That spirit loves, that critical spirit feeds one with the other. And, and the, the, those people don't even realize it. They think they're, you know, they're really exposing sin. Little do they know they're giving heed to a seducing spirit to tear down the ministry and reputation at the church. Spirits love spirits. Brother Adam says these two spirits connected. Let me say this, young people. You'll never live higher spiritually than the influences and friends who you subject yourself to. You want to go higher? Go around higher kids. You want to be more spiritual? Find a more spiritual friend than you. You'll never live higher than the influences you subject yourself to. You want more victory? Don't go around people without victory. You want to get rid of that weakness? Don't befriend that person with that same weakness. Find others who have strength. And say, God, give me energy. Give me strength for my brother and my sister. We should be, there should be a spirit within us to encourage those that are around us. 
not to discourage anybody, but to be an encouragement to your brother, an encouragement to your sister, be an encouragement to the pastor, not a discouragement. Well, that's the truth anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, that's right here. Here it is coming from one to the other. It's evil powers pulling a dark streak. Now notice, notice what he says here in darkest hour, Jesus comes. Now here's two spirits calling one to another. I only wish that my lovely audience could only be in this dimension and see this. This woman standing here is suffering with the same thing that woman sitting there with her hands crossed right like that. Here's a dark line. Because the spirit that's on this woman is calling to this spirit for help and it's both the same disease, arthritis in both. But no one else is seeing this. You can't see it with your eyes. You can't hear it with your ears. You can't touch it with your hands. But little does everyone know there's a spirit in this person that's also on this person. And if you go and listen to the tape, when Brother Branham identifies that, that woman starts shouting because God set this woman free. She has faith to believe she can also go free. Oh, my brother, now do you see why it's so important that you pull on the Word of God, that you say amen to the Word of God? What you're pulling for, maybe you don't need, but somebody else does. And you begin to pull and say, God, move upon this church. Move upon my brother. Move upon my sister, oh God. Set them free tonight, oh God. Hallelujah. You may be sitting here tonight believing for someone else. Maybe not even for you. And you hear this sermon here tonight and your thoughts and your mind and your burden goes to another family, another brother, another sister. Oh, well, that's why you're pulling on the Word of God. You're identifying. You're agreeing with the Word. Saying, yes, God. Let it be, oh God. So be it, Jesus. And that's faith, my brother and my sister. Oh, there's a story in the Bible where there was a man who was so sick he couldn't get to Jesus. He was in such a condition he couldn't walk. So you know what the Bible says? The Bible says he had some good friends. And those friends picked up that man in his bed and they carried him to Jesus. Let me tell you something, that's a good friend. A good friend who won't criticize you, but they'll pick you up in prayer. They'll pick you up in encouragement. And they'll lift you before the Lord and say, God, help my brother. Help my sister. Help my family, oh God. The scripture says that they picked him up and they carried him to Jesus. But guess what? When they got to Jesus, he was in a house. And he was surrounded by the multitudes. Those friends didn't stop there. The Bible says that they climbed up on the roof and they tore the roof off and they lowered the man down to Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus, he didn't look at the man who was sick, but he looks at the friends and says, by your faith. I said, by your faith. 
this man has made well. My brother, my sister, whoever's on your heart here tonight, whether it's for you or your brother or your niece or your nephew or your cousin, you can say, God, I'm raising the roof off. I'm ripping the roof off with faith tonight. And I'm lowering them down to you, Lord. I'm lowering their life down to you, oh God. Hallelujah. You see, when a, when a brother or sister, the Bible says, when they're caught, when they're in sin, you who are spiritual, criticize them. No. You who are spiritual, go to them and restore them. I don't know why I'm preaching on this, Lord. This wasn't on my notes, but I'm just going to keep going in this direction. It's what the Lord wanted me to say. You who are spiritual, go to them and restore them. Don't criticize them. Sometimes we don't realize the power of faith that lies within the body of Christ. I'm reminded of Paul and Silas, who was in a prison. The Bible says after they were beaten, given stripes. And the scripture says they didn't deserve anything. They didn't deserve to be there. But the Bible says, the Bible says they, they were beaten and thrown into the inner prison. You know what the scripture says though? The scripture says that about midnight. There they are in their blood, their own blood. Beaten, the stripes upon their back. Chains in their hand. And the dungeon is so dark they can't even see the hand in front of them. But the scripture says that in the moment of this despair, the Bible says they begin to pray. You know, it's a hard thing to do. It's easy to pray in church. You know, everyone's shouting, everyone's singing, everyone's just joy and joy in the Spirit. It's a lot harder to whisper words of prayer in the middle of your prison and in your dungeon. But let me say to you this, brethren, God can do more for you if you'll praise Him in the middle of that chain, in the middle of that bondage, in the middle of that prison. The Bible says that Paul and Silas begin to pray, and they also begin to not just pray, they begin to praise and they begin to sing songs. They begin to lift their voices. They begin to worship the Lord. And watch what God does. The Bible says an earthquake came and it shook the entire jail. And the Bible says in the bands that they were bound with were loosed and they went free. Why? Because they could pray in the middle of their prison. They could praise. Oh, can you do that here tonight? Can you pray in the middle of your prison? Can you praise in the middle of your prison, in the middle of your circumstance? The Bible says that God so honored that kind of faith that He set them free. Hallelujah! You know what the best part of that story actually is, Brother Terry? Is that it wasn't Paul and Silas wasn't the only ones who went free. But the Bible says every single prisoner that was in the jail went free. Why? Because two men could start to praise the Lord. They could so praise Him that God wasn't just going to set them free, Brother Louie. He was going to set every prisoner that was in the building. Oh, hallelujah. And every bondage and every chain and every addiction and every issue, everybody went free. Because two men got free. I say, God, free us tonight. Free our minds. Free our spirit, Lord. 
Brother Branham says here, notice this. He says earnestly contending, what if I told you that your heart trouble can be made well? In Jesus' name. Do you believe it? Amen. Then go. He's taking patience all up there. One's coming, one's going. He says, what if I told you your heart trouble? You could be free. You believe it? Go. And he goes to take the next patient. And then he says, just a minute. Demons screamed. Something called for help. Demon power. It come from the audience. So you mean Brother Branham's audience could have demon spirits, but ours can't? When this woman was healed, that demon spirit screaming to one another for help. It's the spiritual world. We're not talking about the outside. He says in demonology, friends, they're just as real as you're real. And I see them many times when they leave. I've seen them leave right here from this platform. I've seen some of them in the shape of bats, look like long hairs hanging on their legs. But an epileptic demon looks like a tortoise with round legs hanging up like that. Usually a demon of oppression seems to be more of a cloud form like a wave. And it just makes a real funny sound when you're in that other dimension to see the spirit. Now you may think that's wrong, but some of these days you'll realize if you could only take a spiritual looking glass and look into your soul, you doubt, and you'd find out what it looks like. And the greatest devil, the chief of all devils, lust and addiction and alcohol and drugs and murder and violence and rape, the chief of all devils. Reveal it to us, Brother Branham. The chief of all devils is unbelief. Now do you see why more than anything Satan attacks, it's your belief. It's your faith. More than anything else, that's why he binds people with spirits is to get them to shake, is to shake them from what they believe. Sure. Brother Adam says, in expectations, I'm so thankful these past few nights you have confirmed and testified that I have told, which, which is true. And I'm very thankful, Father. I trust that it's believed among all, Lord, giving thee all praise and all the glory, for we know it comes only through you. We believe you, Father, tonight with all we can. Oh, Satan would, would take my very life but I'm depending on you. And I realize that I shall face demons after a while, supernatural beings who will come out in that poor old form of a dark cloud going against my very soul. And I love this prayer. Then, Father, if you don't cover me with your blood and protection, it would quickly come upon me and I could have no more services for I would be laying helpless. Oh, help thou me, Lord. Help me to be sincere, for I realize that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood now, but spiritual powers, which men who the five senses could not understand how these things could be. But with you, all things are possible, especially when it's in thy word, which has to come to pass. Protect us! Oh, I love those words! He's going to identify this other spirit in this other world and this other dimension. And then even a prophet who could stand there with an angel on the platform cries out and says, protect us. 
Oh, I say let a father and a mother and a church say that tonight. Protect us, oh God. May the angels stand in the aisles. May the great angel of God spread forth his wings throughout this tent tonight. I say, oh God, let it be here tonight. Would you protect us by your spirit? May your angels drive back spirits of unbelief and of doubt and disease and affliction. May you cover us, Lord. May he distill dewdrops of divine and drop them on every soul. May there not be a feeble one in our midst when the service is over. How many believers we have here tonight? Say, God, let the dewdrops of heaven drop on every soul and every life and every mind. Every spirit of unbelief, may you drive it out of my mind, oh God. Every spirit of doubt and fear and worry and anxiety. Lord, I wonder if somebody is praying that here tonight to say, God, would you drive back spirits of fear? Would you drive them out of my family? Drive them out of my home? Take the influences of doubt out of my mind, Lord. Let there be faith where there was fear. Let there be hope where there was dishope. God, I pray you'd encourage us by your spirit tonight Lord hallelujah may the angel of God spread forth his wings spread forth your wings notice the words to this daughter of Zion you can mute that brother this captive daughter of Zion Isaiah chapter 52 can we go just a few more minutes here and we'll close Listen to what the Lord says to this captive daughter of Zion. In Isaiah 52, verse 1, He says, Awake! Awake! Shows you what condition she was in. Sleep. And here's the words of a merciful father who loves his daughter. You don't hear the words of rebuke. You don't hear the words of condemnation. You don't hear a word to say, how dare you? You don't hear the words of uh, of fear and attack. You hear the words of a sweet, kind, heavenly father who loves this daughter. And he says, awake. Awake. Put on your strength. Oh, Zion. Put on your beautiful garments I'm not here to rebuke you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to beat you or kick you into the ground. I'm here to give you a very simple message if you'll receive it here tonight. Awake. Put on your strength. Oh, God is saying, I'm not going to abandon you while you're laying here. I'm not here to chastise you. I'm not here to leave you lying in the dust. Oh, when the daughter of Zion is afflicted, is afflicted in captivity, God says, I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to give up on you. Awake! Awake! Put on your strength, daughter of Zion. You say, God, wouldn't you just forget her into such a condition? She so turned her back on you, so far away, so distant, so addicted, so messed up, so far. You just give up, Lord. God says, can a mother forget her baby? And he says, they might. They might. But I can't. I can't. 
Notice what Isaiah chapter 49 says. Isaiah chapter 49, I want you to look at this with me here. Brother, if you could put it on the screen in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 14, 15, and 16. Notice what he says here in, in, verse, in verse 14. And, and this is after they're in such a condition, totally captive. And God says, there you are laying there in the dust, groveling. You have no hope. It looks hopeless, like a totally hopeless situation. Say, God, are you just going to walk away? Are you just going to leave my loved one like they are? You're just going to, you know, just, well, I tried. Well, I, I, I gave all I could. I, I preached to them as hard as I could. Stayed there as long as I could. God says, Zion has said. This is what Zion says. This is what the daughter of Zion says. The Lord hath forsaken me, and the Lord hath forgotten me. I want to show you how God answers that question, that statement. Verse 15, go, brother. Can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Notice what he says in the next verse in verse 16. He says, Behold, I have graven thee on the palms of my hands. I have engraven thee. What's he doing? He's speaking prophetically of Calvary. God says, can I ever forget you? How could I? The nail prints in my hand show you. I've engraved your life. I've engraved your children's life. I've engraved your family's life. You're engraved in the palms of my hand. You may forget me, but I'll never forget you. You may turn your back on me, but I'll never turn my back on you. I want to make sure you never forget this mother and father. You may forget them, but God says, I'll never forget. I'll never turn away. I'll never turn aside. I've graven them in the palms of my hand. And he says, thy walls are continually do you know what that word walls means? It's, it's, it means prison walls. That's what it's speaking of there. He says, you've been engraved in the palm of my hand. Thy, thy walls. That word walls is choma. You know what that word, that Hebrew word means? It means joined to a wall. Attached to a wall. Like a prisoner. Attached. And this is what God's saying to this captive daughter. He's saying, I've engraved you. Can a mother forget? Neither could I forget. I've engraved you in the palm of my hand. Can you forsake me? Your walls are ever before me. Your walls are continually before me. What's he saying? This is your prison walls. I'm not on the outside of your prison as a visitor coming to visit you. I'm actually in the prison with you. And when you're bound, I'm bound. When you're hurt, I'm hurt. When you cry, I cry. When you're in anguish, God says, I'm in anguish. Your walls are ever before me. You go to captivity, I'm in captivity with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm joined to your walls. Oh, you ought to say hallelujah. You ought to say praise the Lord. God has joined with me in the midst of my bondage. 
I can never forget thee. Your walls are ever before me, Israel. You notice Jacob in his life as we disclose. Even Jacob, a man who God made such a powerful promise to. And God says, Jacob, I'll go with you. I'll perform this in your life. And, and the Bible says that God, Jacob meets God. And he says he sees him in that, in that place. And he says uh, that, that he's seen a ladder and angels descending and ascending. And Jacob wakes up and says, oh, surely the Lord is in this place. And he names that place Bethel. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 28, brothers, if you can go there, Genesis chapter 8 and 28, Genesis chapter 28, turn in your Bible if you've got a Bible here tonight. I want you to see this just here for a moment. God appears to Jacob at Bethel supernaturally. He reveals himself to this man. And he sees these angels of God descending and descending. And in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 28, God is going to speak a message to, Je to, to Jacob. And God says, I am with thee. And behold, I am with thee. And I will keep thee in all places. Whether I... I want you to catch this here tonight. I am with thee in all places. He says, notice this. I will keep thee in all places. Whether thou... Because Jacob's going to become a disobedient son and he's going to go to places God never told him to go. And you can go to places God never told you to go. You can go to places in your life and God never told you to go. But God says, I'm not going to stay here at Bethel and let you leave. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, you leave Bethel, I'll still be with you. I'll keep you whether thou goest. And I will bring thee again into this land. Not I'm going to be waiting here in Bethel when you finally decide to repent. But I'm going to go with you and I'm going to start preaching to you in your prison. I'm going to start calling to you in your bondage. I'm going to start encouraging to you in your sin. I'm going to start calling you and wooing you back to Bethel. Your walls will always be before me, Jacob. He says, I'll bring thee into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. What a promise Jacob had over his life. God, what was he doing? He was joining himself to Jacob. Oh, my brother and my sister, I feel the anointing of the Lord right now. He was joining himself to Jacob. He says, I'm going to chain myself to you, Jacob. I'm going to attach myself. And wherever you might go, I'm going to go with you. Wherever your life leads, I'll not forsake thee. I'll not leave thee. I have a promise. I'm going to perform what I promised. I'm going to perform what I told you, Jacob. The Bible says that God joined himself so much to Jacob. And the scripture says that he gives him this promise. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. My word will always be before you. And the Bible says Jacob woke up out of this sleep. And he comes out of this dream and says, Surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. 
And he was afraid and said, how dreadful wings, how great, how awesome, how awesome. Oh, how wonderful is this place. There is none other. This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Sounded so good. But 20 years go by. And Jacob now is no longer in Bethel. He's no longer there in that gate of heaven. He's no longer there in that awesome place. 20 years of life comes. 20 years of trials come. 20 years of tests come. 20 years of, of winds of doctrine and every kind of thing that Satan could blow in his life. 20 years, time passes by. And now the Bible says Jacob goes down. 20 years pass by. And the Bible says that Jacob leaves. He gets to such a lukewarm condition in his heart. He leaves. He backslides. And the scripture says he goes to a place called Shechem. And the Bible says that he goes and he dwells in this land of Shechem. Shechem, you know what the word Shechem means? Going back. It means backsliding. Jacob goes and dwells in this place of Shechem. Now notice God had appeared to him. And God said, I'm the God of Bethel, Jacob. Not the God of Shechem. But I'll go with you wherever thou goest. And Jacob goes, and we know the story very well of Shechem. He goes there and he gets into trouble. And the Bible says he plants his family there. And his daughter's defiled by the men of Shechem. And he's made a terrible mess out of his life. Terrible mess out of what could have been. The potential that God had for his life if he would have just stayed at Bethel. If he would have just stayed and not left Bethel. If he would have just stayed. What was Bethel? It was the place of his first experience. It was the place he met God supernaturally. My brother, there's a place where God meets you. It's your place of blessing. It's your place of peace. It's your place of joy. Don't leave that place. But he's drawn out and he goes to Shechem and the Bible says his daughter is defiled. His life becomes a mess. His life becomes a total mess and calamity that follows. But notice what God does. The Bible says God appears again to Jacob. And he's not going to look at Jacob and say, well, what now, Jacob? Look at the mess you've made. Look at the situation and your problems. Look at your bondage. You made a real mess out of this one. He could have appeared to him and scolded him and chastised him and said, Why would you disobey, Jacob? Why would you, you not obey what I told you? But the Bible says in Genesis chapter 35, verse 1, I love this. God doesn't come in chastisement. He doesn't come in rebuke. God simply comes with a simple word to Jacob. Arise. Awake. Awake. Get up, Jacob. Get up, Jacob. Loose thyself from the bondage of your neck. For you have sold yourself for nothing, captive daughter of Zion. Arise, go to Bethel, and dwell there, 
and make thee an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of thy brother Esau. What is God's word to Jacob? It isn't rebuke. It isn't chastisement. It's Jacob. I'm the God of Bethel. I'm not the God of your lukewarmness. I'm not the God of your, of your sin. I'm not the God. I'll go with you, but I'm not the God of your lukewarmness and your spiritual uh, lethargy. I'm the God of Bethel, Jacob. Come back to Bethel, Jacob. Come back to Bethel. How am I going to find you? Come back to Bethel, Jacob. Oh, daughter of Zion. Oh, captive daughter of Zion. There you lay enslaved in the dust. Notice Isaiah 52. Open that up for me, brothers. There you lay in the dust, just as we close. In your sin, in your chains. But here's my message to you, captive daughter of Zion. Awake. Awake. Isaiah 52, verse 1. Awake. Arise. I'm not going to beat you down any worse than you already are. You already know what you're not. Now I'm going to tell you what you are. You're a child of God. You're a daughter of Zion. Awake, awake, put on thy strength. Do you know what this Hebrew word for strength is? This Hebrew word is the, is the same as a lion. He's saying, shake yourself. For you're not a weak daughter in sin and enslaved. You're a lion. You've got the lion of the tribe of Judah. Put on your strength, Jacob. Put on your strength, captive daughter. You're a daughter and a son of God. You've only got to recognize who you are and you'll come up out of that dust. You'll come up out of that, out of that situation. You've got to realize who you are in Jesus. Notice what he says in verse 2. Awake, notice, shake thyself. No one's going to do this for you. Oh, I'm in such a condition and I'm so messed up in my life. Some people get into such a rut that they can't get out. And they just come to church and they feel the same and they come to church and they leave the same. And they go into that same rut and they come, they're still coming, still bound, still afflicted. That joy of the Lord's gone, that praise is gone. And they settle with that condition. And they just sit there in the dust. And they sit there in the dust. And then they eat more dust. And they eat more dust. And they get lower and they get lower. And they're waiting for some preacher to come touch them. Or some miracle to some happen. Let me give you the voice of the word of God. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck. They're not there. They're only there because you allow them to be. I've already give you, given you my word, and my word is enough. Shake yourself. Loose yourself from the bands of your neck. Oh, give the Lord a hand clap of praise here tonight. Wake. Arise. Shake yourself. Don't wait for some miraculous miracle or some supernatural lightning strike to change you, my brother and my sister. This word can change you. You don't even need to come to this altar here tonight. 
That may be what God's telling you to do. But right there at your seat, you can loose yourself from the bands of your neck. When God called Israel out of Egypt, God didn't lift them out on eagle's wings. He weakened the power of Pharaoh, but they had to walk out on their own. And God isn't going to set you free just by doing everything for you. He's going to weaken the enemy in your life. But you still got to choose. I'm going to walk out of this prison cell. I'm going to walk out of this depression. I'm going to walk out of my addiction. I'm going to choose to loose myself from the grip of the enemy. Let me tell you what he did at Calvary. He stripped the power of the serpent out of our life. The Bible said he so bruised the head of the serpent, he stripped him from all of his power, and he set us free. Let me tell you here tonight, you're free in Jesus' name. You're free in Jesus' name. All you got to do is accept that. Oh, why don't you stand to your feet here tonight and say, God, I accept my freedom in Jesus' name. I accept my freedom tonight. I'm not going to continue to grovel and eat dust in my life. I'm going to shake myself. Musicians, could you return here tonight? Oh, give him a praise offering here tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, daughter of Zion. You don't belong on the ground. You belong to soar. In the heavenlies. Daughter of Zion, could you bow your heads with me here and close your eyes, brother, whatever you feel on your heart. You were born for the skies. You weren't born for the dust, daughter of Zion. You don't belong on the ground. You don't belong there groveling in the dirt. You're a daughter of the king. Satan's already told you everything. He's already whispered you, whispered to you and lied to you. Told you you're an addict. Told you you're, a, you're this or you're that or you're defeated or you're a failure. But I'm going to hear, I'm here to tell you, to give you a new word. Arise. Awake. Put on your strength. Oh Lord, I'll, I believe your word here tonight, God, has done something very special in this place. Lord, we sense your presence, Lord. Your prophet said the reason people don't reverence you, Lord, is because they don't recognize you. But tonight, Lord, we with uplifted hands, we say we recognize you here tonight, Lord. We recognize your spirit and your word and your truth, Lord. We identify tonight, Lord. We've identified with a man. We've identified with uplifted hands. We've identified with hearts of joy. Lord, tonight we rejoice in your word. We give you thanks for it, Lord. I pray, God, that if there would be that captive daughter of Zion, that same anointing, Lord, that I felt there in Phoenix just a a few days ago, Lord, and I watched you set people free, that same anointing's here on this platform here tonight, looking and calling for any captive son any captive daughter who's bound or has, a, has, a, has a, a yoke upon their neck. That same spirit is here tonight to set them free. May they receive it here tonight, Lord. 
May they receive it here tonight, O oh God. May they shake themselves, Lord. O oh God, may we, with faith, Lord. We've heard the truth here tonight. Now may we take a seed and may we plant it in the soil of that truth. May we plant it, Lord, with a real fervency, Lord. A real belief, Lord, a real faith that you've given us. And may we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Be it unto me according to thy word. Lord, if there would be someone here tonight dwelling in that place, Lord. May they hear the voice of the Lord. Awake. Put on your strength. Awake. Loose thyself from the bonds of thy neck. Yes, Lord. Come back to Bethel, Jacob. Come back to Bethel. I'm with you. Your walls are ever continually before me. I'm with you. I'm, I'm joined to a wall. I'm joined to your problems. I'm joined to your afflictions. Lord, maybe there would be someone here tonight, God, in faith. Maybe you're burning someone upon their heart. Maybe it's not them. Maybe a son or a daughter or a friend. Lord, may we tonight, with faith, Lord, may we lower that person and may we raise the roof of hindrances, Lord. May we tear the roof off of doubt. May we lower that life down before you tonight, Jesus. In faith, may we believe, Lord. Set them free, O oh God. May we not give up, Lord. Though, you, though we give up, Lord, I'm so glad you never give up on us. Bless us now, Lord, by your Spirit, we ask. Yes, Lord, could you sing something, Brother Harry? You are awesome in this place. Mighty God, you are awesome in this place, Abba Father, you're worthy of all praise, to you our lives we raise, you are awesome in this place, We raise you are awesome in this 
Yo. Oh. 
give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. Oh, could we raise our hands and just thank him just for a moment. Thank you for your spirit, oh God. Thank you for your life, Lord. Thank you for your love that never gives up on us. Thank you for your word that says, I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you to the end of the world. I'll go with you. I'm bound with you. My life is bound with your life. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace, O oh God, in our lives. May we receive it over and over and over again, O oh God. Lord, the words of the Psalms is amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Can't explain it. Can't put words to it. Can't even tell you how it happened. But I once was blind, but now I see. What amazing grace that is, Lord. Father, it was amazing the day you saved us, but Lord, it gets more amazing every day that we served you. Every day that you keep us, every day you don't give up on us, Lord. What amazing grace. We thank you for it. My chains are gone. I've been set free. Oh, could we sing this as we go? Amazing grace. You love the Lord. Love his word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amazing grace. How sweet. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas great. Yes, it was. That it taught my heart to fear. Oh, it was great. And great. My fears. My fear. Really. How precious did that grace appear. The hour. The hour I first believed. Sing it now. My chain are gone, and I've been set free. I got myself your ransom me.
God, my Savior. 